song I cast all my cares on you see I'm thankful there's somewhere where we can cast our cares this morning amen there's lots of uh, things going on in the world lots of chaos but uh, a lot of people have heavy hearts right now and I'm thankful there's somewhere where we can cast our cares amen amen well I cast all my cares upon you I lay all of my burdens down at your feet anytime that I don't know just what to do I will cast all my Yes, I cast all my cares upon you, and I lay all of my burdens down at 
just going to open the service in a word of prayer. I'm just going to ask our brother Aaron if he'll uh, come and open the service in a word of prayer and take these needs uh, before the throne this morning. Uh, our sister Chanel put in a prayer request for um, her uncle and uh, her uncle Donnie, and I guess it's his girlfriend Amanda. Um, both have um, the virus and are in the ICU. Also, her uh, sister Chanel's stepmom's church has been closed down because of multiple cases of uh, the virus. So, I want to remember those needs. Uh, we want to remember our uh, brother John Cockman. It looks like brother David, too, are uh, both away, so we want to remember them. This morning, uh, we want to remember our brother Danny Florian. You may have read in the update from Brother Barry. He hurt his knee and uh, has a 99% chance um, he has to have surgery, which means there's 1% that he doesn't. So we want to remember him in prayer. Uh, he's going to get checked out, I guess, tomorrow. Uh, we want to continue to remember our sister um, Mary Smith, who uh, is struggling physically. And uh, we want to remember Brother David as well that takes care of her. So remember both of them. Our sister Hannah Whitlock is at home this morning not feeling well. Uh, the Pascals aren't here. We also want to remember, continue to remember our, the Jackson's friend, uh, the gentleman that was burnt, who uh, I guess he just went home uh, from the hospital, but we want to continue to remember him in prayer that he continues to recover. If you have an unspoken prayer request, amen, want the Lord to remember, Brother Aaron, if you could come this morning. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads and we close our eyes this morning, for we know that more than a hydrogen bomb, more than an atomic bomb, is the privilege to close our eyes and speak to you. Because we know that prayer changes things. And it, 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 at one point, we know that it even changed the, 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 the mind of God. Lord Jesus Christ, we are coming on the same basis because you invited us. That if we ask anything in your name, then you'll be able to do it for us. Lord Jesus, you, you taught us in your word that we should ask in abundance that our joy might be full. Father, these requests that have been presented before you... Lord, you are the chief judge, and Lord God, we pray that, Father, you may help these needs, O oh God. Father, for we know that you did it for us on Calvary. The only thing that we have to do is to believe. Father, we raise our faith together as believers, and we are accepting what you did for us on Calvary. Lord Jesus Christ, there is nothing that is too high for you. There is nothing that is too low for you to reach. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. In this great time, Father, of falling away in crisis, Father, we know that we can look to you because you are the rock in a weary land. I pray for those that are sick, that they may be healed even this day in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, for those that have raised up their hands with different needs. Some are in financial needs, some are in job situations. I pray for them in the name of Jesus that you may be able to meet all their needs. 
Father, you are there to deliver. When your presence is there, Lord, there is liberty. We pray for the service. We pray, Lord God, for the minister. May you anoint him so powerfully that, Lord God, we might be able to hear from you, that we might walk out, out of this building changed people. For when we come in the presence of God, we cannot go back the same. We commit everything into your hands in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Brother Aaron. Um, I want to sing that song. Getting a little bit of a ring up here. Uh, I want to sing that song, um, Shout to the Lord. I was thinking that this morning when I was driving in, beautiful weather this morning. It was nice and sunny and not 97 degrees, which was nice. Amen. Shout to the Lord. My Jesus, my Savior. My Jesus. My Savior, Lord, there is none like you all of my days. Amen. I'm going to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter. Tower of refuge and strength. Oh, let every breath and all that I am never cease to worship you. Oh, shout to the Lord, all the world. Let us sing. Tower of refuge 
that are here. Some of you have been here before, so we don't count you as visitors. Uh, so we want to welcome you. We want to welcome some folks that haven't been here with us before. Uh, Brother Earl, Sister Jane Munch uh, from uh, Wilkesboro, correct? Moved here from Washington. We hope you feel uh, welcome and enjoy yourself here. And anybody else with us, we hope that you welcome and worship right along with us. Brother Keith. This is just a really, really old song, but I really like it. So if you know it, join in. You know, you ever have that uh, moment when you're praying for something and you're seeking an answer from God and then all of a sudden you get that answer through a sermon or just maybe through a, a still small voice and that feeling you get that you get so excited. This song kind of tells about that. When God dips His pen of love in my heart and writes my soul the message that He wants me to know His Spirit all divine fills this sinful soul of mine when God dips His love in my heart Well, I said I wouldn't tell it to a living soul How He brought salvation and He made me whole But I found I couldn't hide such love as Jesus impart Well, it makes me laugh and it makes me cry Sets my happy soul on fire When God dips His love in my heart He walked every step Up Calvary's ragged way Gave his life completely to bring us a better day. My life was lost in sin, but in his love he took me in. His blood washed away all my sin. And I said I would tell it to a living soul how he brought salvation and he made. And it 
makes me cry, sets my happy soul on fire. Hallelujah, when God dips His love in my heart. Well, it makes me laugh and it makes me cry, sets my happy soul on fire. Well, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll, I'll fly away. God celestial shore, I'll fly away.
Amen. We're going to ask our ushers to come at this time. You can stand. Brother Jeff, if you could say the blessing on the offering. As uh, Brother Barry uh, gets ready to come, could we sing, We Need You, Lord? That's really why we're here, amen, is the singing's great. I wish I could sing like Brother Keith. I enjoyed that this morning, right? But that's really the reason we came here is to hear the word, amen, and to hear what the Lord has to say for us, right? Amen, to just be a little closer to him, to grow. And I need him. Amen. You need him this morning? Amen. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. bow my knees oh and worship at your throne I need you Lord we need you Lord right now I need you Lord yes I need you Lord I need you Bow my knees, oh, and worship at your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. One more time, we need you, Lord. Right now, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Right now, lift my hands and I bow my knees and worship at. I need you, Lord. We'll sing it one more time. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. 
turned on. Certainly good to see all of you today, and may God bless you. It's certainly um, a pleasure to meet with God's people. And in these days, as Brother Ben said this morning already, with so many things taking place in the world, it's nice to have a true interpretation of God's Word that you can count on. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I'd like to sing one more little chorus, if you don't mind. And um, let's just begin... Uh, just before we read the word this morning, and uh, we'll pray together. Draw me close to you. Let's sing. <clears throat> Draw me close to you. I'm sorry. Hold on.
worship you in spirit and in truth this morning, Lord. Giving you this time, giving you, Lord, this people, giving you all of our gifts and talents, Lord. Father, we live in a world that's changing rapidly. We live in a world, Lord, that is being renovated, Lord, for your people. And Father God, I pray that you would help us just to be mindful, Lord, of what you're doing in our lives and, Lord, the things that are taking place. But, Lord, at the end of this world, we realize, Lord, there are many dangers and there are many quick turns. So we were saying, Lord Jesus, that we depend upon you with everything that is within us. Lord, we can't help but remember the folks this morning that are in need. And we think of Brother Soriano, Lord, in the Philippines in a hospital. And, Lord, having waited weeks and now finally in the ICU unit, Lord Jesus, he needs a miracle. He needs your touch. He needs you, Lord, to draw near to him. And as your servant, I commit him into your hands, Lord, praying that you would just be merciful to him. Let your healing virtue flow and touch him, Lord, I pray. And Father God, we think of the family of Brother Jim Babb this morning, Lord. We hold Sister Linda before you, Lord, and ask, oh God, that you would be gracious to that family in the great loss of our dear friend, Brother Jim. And that, Lord, not only would you minister to the family, Lord, but also you'd minister to the pastor and to that assembly that lost a very dear friend. And I ask, oh God, that you would comfort them, minister to their needs today. And Lord Jesus, there's, there's just such great comfort in being able to turn to you. And we ask now that you would just meet with us today. Lord, quicken the word we pray. We commit it into your hands. And ask your blessing upon this time together. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Sing that chorus again one more time. It sounded so nice. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're God for the nearness of the Holy Spirit. Take your Bible if you don't mind. We're going to look in the scriptures right away in Jeremiah chapter 29. Thank you musicians. Thank you Mitchell and Lily and Emma for the special and Keith and may the Lord richly bless you this morning. We're going to title this this morning the journey of the righteous and we're going to be speaking about the nations of the earth. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, we want to read a passage here that's very familiar. We often refer to this particular chapter because there's so many wonderful truths in here. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 14. And I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations And from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again unto the place whence I caused you to be carried away. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. 
I'm going to ask you especially to remember Brother Roel Soriano uh, in prayer. He's just had a very difficult ordeal, not only him, but his family as well. Uh, and uh, I would just uh, say this, that uh, several of us ministers are uh, pooling some resources together to help pay for the uh, medical expenses that he's incurred. If you want to contribute to that, you're certainly welcome to. Uh, you can put it in an envelope and just mark it for Brother Soriano. Uh, they over there, he's in a pay-as-you-go hospital, and uh, we're thankful that he's able to get into a hospital over there uh, to get some help. And uh, if you want to contribute to that, you certainly can. But I would ask you to remember them in prayer for sure because of the uh, great uh, trial this is on his body and um, not only him but his family as well. Um, this afternoon, 3.30, we have our uh, gathering with our young people. I said this is going to be the last one. That only means that uh, during the summer we've had three uh, different gatherings where all of our group from 13 and up are gathered together. We're going to be uh, rearranging things a little bit for Sunday school this year. You'll hear about that coming up. And uh, we're going to uh, split that group. And uh, for the summer, it was nice for us to be able to get together. And this will be the last one today. You don't want to miss the one today, for sure. And uh, so at 3.30, you're welcome to be here. Um, Sister Mary Smith, uh, we often mention her. Uh, need. Brother Smith is very faithful at keeping me posted on, on things that are happening there. Uh, Wednesday she has an appointment to go to a pain center uh, because of the pain in her uh, spine and her neck and they're going to fuse or burn some of the nerves uh, so that uh, it reduces that pain there and I know some of you have uh, had similar experiences and so uh, if you don't mind just marking that down and just remember Sister Mary Smith uh, in prayer. We're going to pray for our school kids uh, and everybody who's in school at the end of the service today. So uh, we want to make a little bit of time for that. And uh, it's good to have uh, Tyler here uh, this morning from Oregon. God bless you. Good to have you with us uh, today. A couple of birthdays here. Sister Ella Kate Jackson had a birthday on the 18th, right? could be true and it could not be true we don't know is she here here she is allocate how old are you 14 years old god bless you keith and sarah buchanan had an anniversary keith and sarah how many years 26 years wonderful god bless you both we appreciate the buchanans august 21st yesterday was sister Kristen's uh birthday i don't know if they're here uh this morning or not Sister Jean, God bless you. Good to have you here today. Uh, Lisa Pascal's birthday is today. We miss them. They're listening today. Brother Ron Knobloch, uh, his birthday, and we're certainly remembering Brother Ron's mother. Uh, she fell and had a fractured hip. Uh, Brother David Whitlock's birthday is the 26th of August, right? Good to have Brother David back with us today. And uh, uh, on his feet, we're, we appreciate Brother David. And uh, Ashley Buchanan, 27th of August, right? And uh, then Sister Emma Harwell's birthday, and Sister Emma stepped out just at an appropriate time. (laughs) But you know what we didn't know until just a few minutes ago? Hunter, it's your birthday today, isn't it? Hunter McIntosh, God bless you. Good to have you with us, Brother Hunter. 
we appreciate all of you being here, and uh, you can't escape the birthday thing. It's, it's, just a, it's just a part of who we are. Brother Mark Sylvester asked me a question a little while ago, and as I normally do with questions, I ponder on them, and some of them are easily answered, quickly answered, and then some others turn into this, uh, where we deal with them at length. And so uh, the, the idea of uh, what Brother Mark was asking about was individual nations and you know, what, what are the significance of uh, some of the, the things that are happening in the world here. So today, uh, this, is, this is going to be just a little bit different, okay? You're, you're not going to, this is not kind of the typical uh, fashion of things. But I, I wanted to just step back and, and not only look at a little bit of what's taking place today in the world, but look at how God refers to the nations of the earth and how that affects us, uh, because obviously we are part of that. Now, <clears throat> just as a preamble this morning, uh, as Brother Ben said, with so many things that are happening today, and I, I just uh, cut, uh, latched on to his remark there, there is absolutely no way, there is absolutely no way that you would be able to make sense of our time without that you had somebody who gave you insight about our time that comes from another dimension. It, 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 the, our times require a view that's not a normal view. Uh, Brother Branham referred to this age as the eagle age, where an eagle flies higher than any other bird, and he's got a view or a perspective, and hence an understanding of things that's different than the average person. And so that's what God uh, designed in the last day, was to have a perspective uh, from a prophet given to a group of believers in our day that helps us to make sense of our time. Brother Branham referred to it in many different ways, but he said it's a very outstanding time, meaning that it's unique. It's not like any other position in history, and that's what makes it so exciting. That's what makes it so interesting. And he said, we realize we're speaking from the scripture that there was no open vision in the days of Samuel, and back in the Proverbs it says, where there's no vision, the people perish. But we must have a vision. There has to be a direction for the people of God. There has to be a way for us to journey and sojourn in the last part of our time. And visions come to prophets, and it's the word of the Lord spoken to them. And so because we live in such an outstanding time, and you can define outstanding any way you want to, but just to say that uh, we live in a time where there's not much precedent uh, that you can find for this age as compared to many other ages. Now, Jesus said it's going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's going to be like the days of Lot and the days of Noah. But there are things happening in our time, uh, just for instance, militarily. Uh, things that are happening in, in military realms that are, are not like any other particular time, and how that uh, governments and nations uh, wor- have to work together uh, just to survive economically and all the other interesting components of that. Before I came out just now, there was a, a news flash that came that uh, the U.S. government ordered private uh, commercial airline companies uh, to donate airplanes to get them into Afghanistan immediately, like today, because the situation is deteriorating so bad. Delta Airlines, United Airlines, Hawaiian Airlines, U.S. Air, uh, they're, they're uh, now taking those planes and, and sending them into uh, Kabul in order to get the people out and uh, get them back into the UAE and Qatar and different uh, nations for safety because it's breaking down so quickly. So we, we don't need to be convinced. We don't need to uh, belabor the point that in a uh, in a very short period of time, 
our world can change. While you're sitting here at church, the world can change drastically, and the headlines might be very different at the end of church than they were at the beginning. Now, you don't need any convincing of that. We all know that that's true. But the, 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 the point is, or the meaning of that, the significance of that for us, is that therefore it should be setting off alarms. It should be setting off some uh, ringers in your, in your mind and in your heart to help you understand and to help you realize that this is exactly what was said about the last day. This is exactly what uh, was prophesied about our time. We never really expected it to unfold like it did, but it's happening, and therefore it's a uh, signal to us that our departure is imminent. It's a confirmation of the things that have been said, and, and that's what's significant for us. So let's just kind of go back a little bit and then come forward very quickly uh, and look at some of the things that uh, we find in here in relation to the nations. The first time that uh, nations are mentioned is in Genesis chapter 10, when after the flood, and this is interesting because there's very little, uh, there's very little information about nations and countries and kingdoms prior to the flood. There's hardly anything that's said at all about it prior to the flood. So after the flood is over and Noah comes out on the earth, there's a chapter, chapter 10, that's devoted to, now these are the sons of Noah. And there's three branches that are described here, and you can read it from verse 1. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and unto, unto them that were sons born after the flood. So there were, there were three uh, lineages that went out into the earth after the, after the flood. And uh, this is, this is uh, the, the verses that describe it here. These are verse 31. This is the last verse of that chapter. These are the sons of Shem after their families and after their tongues and their lands, after their nations. So it's the first time this is mentioned now, that there are all of a sudden diverse groups here in the earth. These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations, and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. So uh, there was, uh, as you know from the uh, Tower of Babel, uh, there was a, a scattering of people in the earth that went in three different directions. There, there came uh, languages that were unique. Uh, they didn't understand each other even like today. And so there, is, uh, there was a diversity, and that's where this uh, whole idea of nations comes. <clears throat> Israel, though, was God's favored people. How many believe that? Israel was always God's favored people. I believe that Israel still is God's favored people. Above all the nations of the earth, I believe that God loves Israel. And I believe that he has not cast away Israel uh, but he has Israel in the center of his heart. And I say then, Paul writes in Romans chapter 11, and Paul deals with this subject of where Israel is now. If God's dealing with the Gentiles after Acts thir chapter 13, then what about Israel? What happens to them? And where do they sit in the whole prophetic uh, timeline and all of that? Are they, is God finished with them? And that's a reasonable, uh, reasonable question in the same way that God overthrew Nebuchadnezzar and all the empires that came and went and all the kingdoms and countries that came and went and the great powerful kings that boasted of their power and their authority, they're all come and gone. And, and the question it begs to be answered then, well, what about Israel? What happens to them? If God's turned to the Gentiles now, what happens? And he answers this question in Romans 10, 11, and 12. 
And you'll find that laid out very carefully. He says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. And I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. So God used Israel uh, in many, many different ways. But Israel rejected the Messiah. And we know the story, as we mentioned in Acts chapter 13. And so God cut off that branch and grafted in another branch. And that's the reason that you're here today is because of this event taking place. Uh, you got to be a little more enthusiastic about that. you got to remember, you had no access to God. You had no blessing promised. You had nothing uh, going for you in terms of uh, the covenants and the promises and the commandments and the promises. You had none. You had nothing. But God, by His grace, cut off a branch, grafted in another one, and that other one is you. You are a part of that Gentile branch that God grafted in. Here's the amazing thing, that God never cast away the branch that he cut off, but he will also restore that branch as well and turn to Israel after the Gentile dispensation is over. It's over when the last one's in. It's over when the Gentile bride is complete, right? That's the only time it's over. But when it's over, God will cut off that Gentile branch, and then he will put Israel back in this place where it belongs. Let me tell you, you're the only generation that have witnessed the resurrection of a nation. To see Israel come back into the view again, into the picture again. Even though Israel is still blinded, they don't really see the full picture. You're the only generation that has been given the privilege to witness the resurrection of a nation because Israel is back on the scene again. Now, if you, you know, we don't need to dig very deep to find out that God loved Israel. God still loves Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 11, I, I, I found this verse here. Therefore, saith, uh, thus saith the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the heathen, and God scattered them, he said, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. I thought that was a beautiful phrase, and that's really true. Whenever you go, travel in different countries, if I have an opportunity, I love to go to the Jewish quarter or the Jewish section or the Jewish neighborhood. You get good bagels there. You get interesting food there. Uh, but you'll find the clusters of Jewish people in, still in cities. Uh, like I mean, you can go to New York. You can go to uh, you know some of the bigger cities, Detroit, Columbus, Ohio. You can go to different places, and you'll find uh, areas. And it's like a sanctuary for uh, the Jewish people. Uh, it, it's just an amazing thing how that God said, I will be to them like a little sanctuary. I'm going to watch over them. They will not all be destroyed. They will suffer. They'll be persecuted. They'll be scattered. And they'll have hardships in their time. But I will be to them like a little sanctuary. In other words, uh, even though I'm dealing with the Gentiles, I still have my eye on Israel. How many can say amen? And, and I would tell you, when, when, the doors, uh, when the doors were opened up for uh, the departure of Jews in, uh, from Russia, uh, I, I believe the reason they got out when they did and how they did uh, was because God had his eye on them. Uh, I've, said, I've said this before, that I, I believe that the break or the falling uh, of the uh, Berlin Wall and the, and the, the hiccup uh, that interrupted communism, uh, in our day is for two reasons. And the number one reason uh, was to get the message of the hour into Russia so that their, the bride of that e- area uh, could be flushed out by the hearing of the word of the hour. 
That was one of the reasons. The second reason was to get the Jews out and let them come back to Israel, to migrate back into Israel again. And uh, they did. There was many hundreds of thousands of Jews came out of Russia, and uh, they, they were uh, sent back uh, to Israel again because they had no other place to go. And so the reason that uh, I believe that Gorbachev himself uh, was in power, the kind of man that he was and the kind of thinking that he had, uh, he was different than most other Soviet leaders. He's not remembered well in the country of Russia, but I believe that in, in, the, in the hands of God, he was a tool to o- allow the door to open so that the Jews could get out and the message could get in, and both of those things are now totally fulfilled. And so it's amazing how that God will do that. And he said, I will be to them as a little sanctuary. And he says, and, and the promise continues in 17, that thus saith the Lord, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered you, and I will give you the land of Israel. Remember now, this is Ezekiel who says this, right? He's not looking back, he's looking ahead. He's looking ahead to our time when Israel's not even a nation, right? There, uh, they was uh, uh, run by the Turks and the Ottomans over uh, almost 1,900 years. It was just a sandy wasteland. And uh, here's Ezekiel. He's looking ahead and saying, "I'm going to give you the land. The land is still there in the eyes of God, even if politically the lines are, are are rubbed out, even if the sands of time have covered the area with dust, and there's no distinction about Israel itself." In the eyes of God, Israel still exists, and I'm going to give you Israel and bring you back to that land. I know exactly where you are. I'm going to be a sanctuary for the Jewish people. Don't you worry. Even though you have to go through hardships and difficulties, I've got my eye on you. Let me tell you something. That's the God that we serve as well, and I believe that he treats us exactly the same way because we are not his people, but we are his bride. Right? So you watch your bride differently than any other woman in the world. And you watch over the people who are the apple of your eye. So Brother Branham says, until God is finished with the Gentiles, he said Israel was blinded. And they went off into sin and transgression against God because God blinded their eyes. That we might be grafted in. He said purposely for you and I, all Israel, true Israel shall be saved. And everybody ought to say amen. That's, that's a, an important prophecy for us to understand. God will cut off that wild branch and graft that real branch again. Uh, we are the wild branch, so the Gentiles will be cut off. And that real branch will come again. Oh, it makes my heart jump to see those poor, miserable people cut off, not knowing where they're going and think that God in his mercy did so, that I could be saved and blinded their eyes from the Messiah and shut their ears, even though they saw the miracles and the things that he was doing. But God did that, that you and I might be brought in, because we are, uh, we are predestinated as the bride of Christ, right? So when it comes to Israel, I just, I just want to throw in some scriptures here. There's me, I found there's many, many here, and I want to just throw you a few, and then we're going to turn a corner here. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. This is what he said in Deuteronomy, and this was Moses speaking to the children of Israel before they go into the promised land. These are the things you need to know. These are the things you need to have established before you go in there. That you are my people, and he says, you'll be blessed above all people. There shall be no male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away all the, all the sickness and put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee, and will lay upon them that, uh, sorry, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. And thou shalt, how many believe that God controls sickness and, vi- and, and viruses? And Let me tell you something. What's happening in our world today is no shock to God. It's no shock to God. He's in control. 
And thou shalt consume all the people that the Lord shall deliver thee, and thine eye shall have no pity upon them. In other words, these are instructions about, uh, you know, the, the, the land that you're going into. But I want you to notice in verse 17, if thou shalt say in thine heart, these nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? God's given them the land. He's given them the permission, if you like. He's given them the instruction to go into the land and take the land. It is yours. Build houses, plant vineyards, and the fruits of those things will be yours. In other words, there will be multi-generations that will be established in Israel. They're not in there yet. Abraham was there. Now they're going back into the land again. And God is promising the land to them. And he says, now, but if you say in your heart, in other words, you're looking at circumstances here, and you're looking at it and saying, hey, these nations are more than I. How can I dispossess How can I convince them that this is not their property? This is mine. How can I go in and say, this is not your land, this is mine? How can I do that? And he says in verse 18, Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and to all Egypt. When you can't overthrow the inhabitants of the land, and when you can't become free, you watch what I do in a situation like that. Because that's what God did in the, in the days of Pharaoh. Are you with me? That's what God did in the days of Pharaoh and to all Egypt. When, when, they, when they flexed their muscle and they tried to hold Israel, they tried to kill the mothers who brought forth the babies. They tried to kill the babies. They tried uh, you know, to stop Israel. Pharaoh tried everything he could to hold back the progress of the fulfillment of prophecy of that time. And God said, enough's enough. He steps in and he destroys Egypt and its uh, army and its might and drowns them all in the sea and Israel goes on its way. And so God says, when, they, when you come back into the land in this hour in Deuteronomy, he says, don't you worry if, you're, if you feel overwhelmed. Don't worry if you feel uh, that there are nations there that are more powerful than us and all the other things there. He says, you just remember this, what I did in the days of Egypt, and watch me move on the scene in a supernatural way in that time as well. Hey, folks, that's the same God that we serve today. Isn't that right? And it doesn't matter, saints of God, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are like and how bad things get and how, uh, you know, how many more governments and kingdoms have to fall in our world. Let me tell you, it may look circumstantially like it's difficult for the people of God as the squeeze becomes squeezier, as it becomes tighter. I believe this, that you can always look to the God who, who moved for Israel like he did back in the days of Pharaoh and of Egypt, and God will do that which we cannot do, and God is able to do that which we we cannot do. It's easy, it's normal to look at things circumstantially and see, my goodness, there's not much hope, but there's not a way, or at least I don't see the way, but God always has a way. God always has a solution. <clears throat> now, here's a little section of this that I wanted to just throw in here for you, and this promise is repeated many times. God dealing with Abraham. And he tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, he says, The men rose up from Sodom, and they looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. This is the visit of uh, Elohim, or Jehovah, uh, to Abraham, and he's sitting outside of his tent. He's leaning on the tree. Brother Branham said it was a drought time, and he was wondering about the success of his herd and his cattle, uh, his flocks over this period of time. And uh, he's just leaning against a tree, and then three men show up, and uh, Abraham successfully identifies that as God himself, the self-existing one. And uh, as, as he gets up and he discerns the thoughts of Sarah's heart, and then he points towards Sodom and he goes down there, he says this about Abraham. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? 
seeing that Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation. You've got to remember now, it's just Abraham and Sarah at this point. Aging Abraham, aging and barren Sarah. And God is making promises that they will become a great and a mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. This is an interesting promise. It's repeated here in Genesis chapter 22. It's repeated again in Genesis chapter 26. And God repeats this to Abraham over and over again. And he describes this blessing to him. And he says, I'm going to perform my oath to you and everything I promise to you I'm going to do in verse 4. And I'll make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. And will give unto thy seed all of these countries. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Who do you think God's talking about when he makes this promise repeatedly to Abraham? In thy seed. Thy seed would be Jesus Christ. In the, from the lineage of Abraham. That's why Jesus could call himself and call the others sons of Abraham because in the lineage that God established through Abraham, there would come a David. And from a David, 26 generations later, there would come the son of David. Right? And in him would all the nations of the earth be blessed. Well... Would you agree that America was blessed as long as it respected God and his word and respected the Bible? And I believe the reason we have the problems that we have in the world today is because there is such an indifference and such a neglect of the Bible. The reason there's no common sense left in the world is because people have neglected the Bible. It may seem like an elementary thing for us because we're, we're Bible people. We are, uh, we are people who are focused on the Word of God. I mean, it's a center. It's the first thing we do when we come to church. It, it is something that we practice. We should every day uh, read our Bible in one way or another. And, and to us, it's not a mystery. It's not a strange thing. But to the world, to bring biblical truth into modern reasoning is now antique. It's now stuff, really, that, uh, like, in our, in our way of thinking, should be relegated to the museum. It is stuff that generations once did. It's, it's something that uh, peoples and nations, they, they once did back in their day. But now, uh, governments are run by uh, people who are interested in getting and holding power, getting and increasing revenue, and getting and increasing control. It's not about the welfare, the spiritual welfare of people. It is more about power and control and money and all the rest of it. And that's what they're concerned about. And the people who will promise those things are generally the ones who are elected, and therefore the cycle uh, continues itself. And so we find that, let me, let me tell you, no matter where you are, uh, even in our own nation here and in the uh, nations of the earth, whether it's communist power or whether it's military power, 
or whether it's combinations of both, or whether it's just the, the wealth of the world, like Saudi Arabia and the Middle Eastern nations that are uh, you know, vastly wealthy because of their oil resources that they have. Uh, let me tell you, there, uh, there are nations that are not going to let go of that uh, to come back to biblical principles. They're not going to do that. But nations in, in, in the earth have been blessed because of their obedience and their response to the gospel. Nations in the earth have been blessed because of their response to the gospel. If you don't believe that, ask the folks in Nineveh when you get there. They were a people, right? They were a municipality or a county or whatever you like, uh, who re- made the right response to the gospel when it was preached to them. They had a last chance. God gave it to them and they took it. And God blessed them because of that. All nations didn't take that, right? Sodom didn't take that, and Sodom received its destruction. But there are people who have been blessed. I believe that in America we have been blessed because of our respect to the things of God and the men of God that came into this nation and preached the gospel. I believe that with all my heart. But when God made the promise to Abraham, he said, In thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. That God knew from Abraham would spring generations that would come all the way down uh, to Jesus Christ. And he would be born in that lineage and all of the world would be blessed. Because then there would be a remedy for sin that all mankind, no matter what, what nation you were, all mankind could avail of. They could, uh, they could enter into the forgiveness and the mercy and the redemption that Jesus brought to this earth. I must be using too many words. All right. A little further now. And it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of God. Here's Moses again. Deuteronomy. This is your future orders. These are your marching orders. Because from here we're marching across the river and we're going to go into the promised land. Here's your marching orders. If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all of his commandments which I command command you this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth and of all the blessings that shall come upon thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. So the blessing on a nation was contingent upon whether they hearken unto the voice of God. That's been true. That's a principle that God uh, established back there, but that's a principle that's still true today. And you know what? Even if a nation doesn't do it, uh, but an area does it, God can bless that area. And if a, uh, an area doesn't do it, but a family does it, you know what? God can bless that family. And even if families in the community don't do it, but a church does it, God can bless that church. But even if the church goes squirrely and, and, and goes aside and goes after other things, let me tell you, an individual can follow and obey God and God will bless them. The opposite is also true. When they disobey, there are consequences. But this is what God promised the children of Israel. Because let me assure you, God desires to bless more than curse. God desires to benefit somebody rather than to judge people. So the way that... Uh, this, is, this is something that I've proven to be very true in my travels. That uh, there is a, a Yiddish word called goy or goyim. Uh, that is a slang word. It's not a nice word. And it refers in uh, modern Hebrew, not biblical Hebrew, but modern Hebrew and Yiddish. Yiddish was the language of the exile. Okay, so when the Israelites were uh, from the time of Acts 13 until they were restored back into Israel in the 40s, when they were in Russia and Europe and East Europe and America and so forth, the Jews did not speak Hebrew. They spoke Yiddish. 
which is a hybrid form of, of Hebrew. When they were restored back to Israel, they adopted the Hebrew language. So that's the official language of the, of the people of Israel today. If you go there, they speak Hebrew. They don't speak Yiddish at all. And they don't want you to speak Yiddish at all because it was the language they spoke in exile. And to them, that chapter is over. The book is closed. We're not there. We're here. And so they left that language in, in that uh, part of the world. But there were certain phrases or certain uh, ideas that they uh, kept words to convey. And one of them is this. It is the goy or goyim. And that means that you're basically a non-Jew. We are, the, <laughs> we are the only right nation. And everybody else is a goyim. Everybody else is a non-Jew. And basically this means that... Uh, if you're a, a goy, you're not able to be married by a real Jew. This is the way they thought. They've modernized a little bit now. It doesn't make it right, but they've modernized a little bit now. As a matter of fact, even when genealogists study genealogy and gene pools, they could go back to the Jewish people through the ages because they believed and obeyed their prophets which said that they should not intermarry. Marry one of your kind, right? That's what they believe. Marry one of your kind. And the Jews held to that, even in exile, over all those years. It's only now that you find the intermarriage between the Jews and the, and the Gentiles much more wholesale. But over the years, that gene pool remained very, very strong. Uh, the Ashkenazi Jews are a great example, and they, uh, they saw how uh, genetic patterns were handed down from one generation to another. Very strong, very, uh, very, uh, lots of uh, very important studies that have been done about the Ashkenazi Jews because that gene pool remains so tight all the way down through. Our gene pool is a mishmash. It's, it's like what would be in a blender. Uh, from all of the different nations. Look around. Hey, look around in your own, in your own families. I look around in my family and look at, you know, uh, you know, from, uh, prisoners to, uh, my wife, listen, my wife's related to Daniel Boone. My wife has, has relatives that served or were surgeons in the Civil War. My wife has, uh, I mean, it's impressive. It's really impressive on her side. On my side, it gets dark real fast. <laughs> Thieves, brigands, pirates, stealers of bird eggs. I mean, the story is short, dark, and mean, and maybe we should move on. But look at our, I mean, and then, you know, my sons and how they, they're married. And, you know, married Canadians, married others and of other... I, you know, you start to sort that back. You realize it's like getting into a blender after something is blended and sorting it back out, right? That's the way we are, but not Jews. Jews were, uh, and, and let me tell you, the only reason, that, and, and, and we love all of our daughters-in-law. <laughs> so say that. I, you can see that cloud moving from the back to the front. Well, let me tell you that, uh, you know, in, in the... In the adherence and the obedience of the Jews to stay together, they did that in obedience to God. And as a result, God preserved them in, in those nations so that when the time came and the door opened and Israel was reestablished, they were able to move like a group from one uh, nation now back into Israel again, even if it's in its primitive state. 
But the way that a Jew, like I, I've told you before about one of my trips into Ukraine, and Ukraine is one of the great uh, centers where one of the Jewish uh, leaders died, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the fundamental Jews, and one of the great leaders died in the Holocaust there. And so they go annually for a pilgrimage there. They go and have services there, and it's a big deal. And in the Kiev airport, I remember seeing the, uh, the Jewish people, and they were all piled in at the front counter for KLM, and they were leaving. And I was leaving the same day. And there was a whole bunch of them, like 15 or 20 of them, that were all at the, at the counter at the same time talking to the one woman. Because that's the way they do it. And these were all, they were all obviously Jewish men. Uh, they had their food in their bag because they didn't want to eat anything from a possibly kosher kitchen on a plane, for sure. So they had food in their bag. They had their hats, you know, their big broad hats on the other hand. And, and they're here in the airport and they're arguing with this woman and they're pointing their finger like this and they're shouting and they're shouting at each other. And so, me being the kind of person I am, I worked my way right into the crowd and I was just trying to listen to what they were saying. And what they were, what they were arguing with her was about was that there were some of the Jewish people who were there who were going to have to sit next to Goyim on the plane. And we don't want that. We want to sit together. We want to not sit next to Gentiles at all. And so you got to move us. And she was saying, well, I can't move you. We've already issued boarding passes. Doesn't matter. We want to move. And they were arguing with her that they wanted to move because they did not want to sit next to Gentiles. And I was, I felt like saying, hey, I'm a Gentile you'd want to sit next to. I'm a son of Abraham. Yeah, right. That had nothing to do with me. But to a Jew, that's, that's kind of what it, what it means. I mean, uh, you know, that's the way they are. So in other words, we could say it like this, that in the world, in the Old Testament, before, before the New Testament church, this is the way it was. It was Jews and everyone else. And that's the way it was. There were Jews and non-Jews. And everybody else in the world, all the other nations were considered the everyone else. And in, a, in the eyes of a Jew, nothing mattered in relation to them because they had no promises. They had no prophets. Can you name a prophet that came to the Gentile world in the Old Testament? Except when, when you know, like uh, you have, uh, you know, different ones that might have visited different places, like, you know, when David went out in the, among the Philistines or something else. But in terms of, you know, sending and commanding things from God, can you identify a nation that God sent a prophet to, and I mean, they they were they were they were out of the picture, if you like, altogether. And that's the way it was for thousands of years until Jesus came. When Jesus came, He died for the sins of the whole world. Right. You gotta, you gotta imagine now, this is, you're all sitting saying amen because you're benefactors of that and you believe that that's true and so forth. You gotta imagine a Jew back in that day who saw Jesus go to the cross and somebody elbow him and say, you know what this means? This means that Jesus, if he was the Messiah, his blood is, is an atonement now for the sins of the whole world. Yeah, right. And after Jesus died, buried, rose again, and ascended on high. Day of Pentecost comes out. Paul comes along, takes all the threads of the Old Testament that were loose, and all of these principles and sayings of Jesus, and ties them together 
in one simple picture in relation to this subject and takes all of this idea of the goyim and the other nations of the earth and sweeps them off the table and makes this one statement. For they are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you has been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if be ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In one little screen here, Paul wipes it all aside and say, you now have no advantage because you are a Jew. Because if you are a seed of God, you're connected back to Jesus and you're connected back to Father Abraham all the way back. You have lineage that is to be reckoned with. Wow. you got to imagine now. Again, for us, that's good news, right? That is the good news. But for the Jews sitting back there and thinking, you have got to be kidding. That now it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It always mattered. Now it doesn't because of the blood of Christ. So he did away with the national barriers. He did away with the ethnicities. He did away with all of that when it came to sin and the sin question and the question of salvation. So whether you live in Pakistan, whether you live in Afghanistan, or whether you live in Boone, you are equal in the eyes of God when it comes to redemption. It does... You understand, there's no distinction now. And Paul, it's an amazing thing to remove distinctions that have been in place for years and years and years. Years and years and years. Can I go one step further? And say now, the picture has changed a little bit. Because now, it's not just the Jews, and God deals with them differently and separately than all other nations. Can you name another nation on the earth where God watched, where God had a nation, shook them all up, dispersed them in the world, watched over them where they were, then in time brought them all back and said, welcome back. I never lost sight of you. I never lost control of you. You were the apple of my eye. Can anybody name another nation that had that kind of treatment? And we still have the nations today all the different countries of the world. Didn't Satan show them to Jesus? Took them, all, took them up on the mountain and said, hey, see all these kingdoms? And he called them kingdoms there because it's not just individual countries. Like uh, Alexander had a kingdom. The Roman Empire was an empire, right? It's not just individual nations. But Satan showed them all the nations, the Bible said, all the kingdoms of this world, and said you can have them if you want. You know why they're in the hands of Satan and Israel was not? Is because they had disobeyed or rejected God in their time. Now, but let me go on and say this. That we still have the Jews and we still have the nations. But out of that, God has called a people. And that people is a peculiar nation. A predestinated people. Hmm. I mean, it just gets good now. And here's where Jesus was carried up. So, now, let me ask you the question then. I, I, 
whatever opportunity I have to be able to put this picture up on the board, I'll put it up because I think it's an extraordinary picture. How about the other nations of the earth now? How about, can I have a couple of more minutes here? I mean, do we need to worry biblically about someone like China? Well, you do if you shop at Walmart, right? <laughs> Listen, I, at the hotel, I stayed last night, the hotel, the woman there, her husband works for one of the car manufacturers and assembly plants that's around here. And she was telling me about uh, how, you know, they, matter of fact, I never had breakfast today. My wife and I, we never had breakfast because there was no staff. And there was no staff uh, and there was hardly any supplies there. So they had some little boxes of cereal and that kind of thing. She said, that's all we have to offer. This is a Marriott. And she said, that's all we have to offer because there's, no, there's not enough supply and there's no, I have no staff. She said, basically just me. She said, I'll give you coffee. Pfft, you're on there, sister. So I'm, I'm running on coffee this morning. But I will tell you this, that when it comes to uh, you know, the, the, the nations here. And she said her husband's job at this plant, and, and uh, one of the assembly plants, she said they took a drone and they, they sent it up in the air and they shot the parking lots of these factories and like the, um, where Keith was telling me about the trucks and the, how they're making the, the trucks and so forth. Parking lots filled with brand new vehicles that can go nowhere because they're waiting on little chips that need to come from, from places like this. On boats like that, which is where our books are too. If you look real closely, our books are there. They come from India as well. In terms of global economy, nations matter. In terms of global economy. In terms of war, nations matter. Because some nations are much more of a threat than other nations. All right. You don't need to worry too much about an imminent threat from Denmark as much as you do from China. China's developing its military because it wants to use it. Mark Twain said, you don't, you don't successfully prepare for peace and war at the same time. If you, if you prepare for war, you're eventually going to want to flex your muscle. And this article, and this article is in the library, you're welcome to read it, talks about how the, the and this is the commander of the, uh, the PACCOM, which is a Pacific command. And he said that the, the aggression that China is showing, they're now the largest navy, uh, they're in space above us, they have, uh, you know, literally millions of people employed in their armed forces. And he said their, their strength is rising, he said, dramatically. And, and let me tell you, if you were a commander in Taiwan, for instance, Based on what happened in Afghanistan last week, if you were a people a person in Taiwan, I'd be worried today because the Americans had promised they were going to protect Taiwan from China. That's just an aside. Now, what's interesting, though, is here's what Brother Branham says. And again, at the beginning, I said to you that the thing about the vision and how the prophets help us see, right? The extraordinary thing is that here's Brother Branham talking in 1962. He's not on CNN today. He's in 62 in a pulpit saying things. That's what's extraordinary. And he said there is an iron curtain and a bamboo curtain and a purple curtain. And brother, he says, don't you fear none of the rest of them, but you watch that purple curtain. That's the Catholic Church, right? Not a nation, although the Vatican City is a nation, but we're talking about a kingdom. We're talking about a, a, a rulership. 
And she is getting right here on the throne today in this country, in America. And remember, just like Ahab did, Jezebel behind him. And I don't say that Mr. Kennedy isn't a nice man. I don't know anything about him. And he goes on there. He said it's not him, but it's the system behind him. It's the systems that are, that are at work here. Wait till she gets warmed into the cabinet and everywhere she can and watch what happens and watch, watch, watch what it done in other nations and look what it's always done. So Brother Ram's inviting us to look at history and look at the patterns and look and see the, uh, the way that the Catholic Church has warmed its way in and uh, made the changes that it has in the countries, weakened nations and all the rest of it. But eventually it's all working under its control. Okay, so he, he's, he's telling us very carefully, and he says this over and over again, that uh, there is a bamboo curtain, and that is a form of communism. There is a, an iron curtain, which is a form of communism, different than the, than the bamboo curtain. It's, it's the Russian form. But he says there's another curtain. In other words, there's another power that veils, and underneath that veil is what we don't see. What we see in relation to the Vatican is how the Pope would come in with flatteries. That's what the Bible says, right? He'd come in with flatteries. He'd come in with good things. He'd come in with statements about uh, global warming and all the other things that he promotes and make those things headline news, but he doesn't look like a villain at all. But remember now, Brother Bram's not looking at the veil. He's looking at what's underneath it here. Otherwise, he never would have made a statement like this, right? Common sense would tell you that. So Brother Branham says, now, Father God, the hour has come, is in 1961. We realize that there's no place to go now, but only to Jesus. And we're at the end time. And that's really true. There is only, there's not multiple hiding places. You don't have enough money in the bank to protect you at the end of the day here. You don't have enough, uh, you know, structure in the ground to go hide. It's not there. We're at the end time. We see all these things take place. We see our nation at bankruptcy. We see our world at bankruptcy. We see communism sweeping in and an ungodly spirit called the Iron Curtain. And we see one rising in China called the Bamboo Curtain. And we see one rise called the Purple Curtain, uh, he says, taking over the world. What's the thing you've got to watch? You've got to watch that Purple Curtain, right? So just watch, he says, we're at the end time. Watch geographically where your war is coming out. Watch the Gog up there coming down, Russia, down into Turkey and so forth. The battles will not be settled in Korea, but over there in Palestine, because that's where it all winds up. The interest, you see, the, I mean, he's saying something pretty significant here. You watch where, war, where the wars matter. You watch where the, uh, where the politics of the world and the armies of the world and so forth, what they're really after. Why, would it, why, why is there concern over Iran? And why are they, uh, you know, they're a wild card, considered a wild card in the world. And why would they, why would they be of concern? Their, their, their concern is not because they're going to strike Washington. Their concern is because they're building armaments that are going to destroy Israel if they get a chance. You remember, like, we measure things like hail in the size of ping pong balls, Right? We say, you know, hail fell as big as ping pong ball. And ping pong ball is a good measurement because everybody understands how big that is. And that's, a, that's a kind of a reference. In the Middle East, everything is referenced by the distance from their country to Jerusalem. In the Middle East, that's how they think. We need to build a missile that will fly this far. Because this far is from where we stand to Jerusalem. 
And so when they think about building up armaments, and when they think about, uh, you know, making war, they, thought, they think about the cost of, of uh, going on the offensive. It's all about, and in relation to, and the consequences of attacking Jerusalem. That's the prize. That's the goal. It's the center of the world. So now, when you have a situation like this, and I didn't speak on a Wednesday night because I knew that all kinds of things would be coming out by the time we got to the weekend, and surely they are, talking about you know, the, the, the failure of the American, uh, you know, the, uh, the leadership, and then you know, the intelligence operations and so on. And, and I have so much of that material that we'd have to take a series of services just to deal with all the things that took place. But now that these guys, who are a religion, now that these guys, and there's a difference between them and Al-Qaeda and ISIS and so forth. They're not all friendly together. But now that the Taliban had the country, now, now they're kind of, uh, they got to deal with the uprisings in the country because there's a whole lot of young people who were there who enjoyed the Internet. The average age in, in, uh, in Afghanistan is around 45, and it's because the healthcare is so poor, most of them die. So they have a lot of young people there. And over the last 20 years, that generation never knew war. They never knew what it was like to be raised by the Taliban. And so, therefore, they've had the Internet, they've had uh, ATM machines, and they've had freedoms and liberties that they're not going to want to give up too easily. So there are things that are going to happen in this area. It would be very interesting because these guys are not exactly into the Internet, Right? But now they're faced with the decision that now, you know what, we've got to govern. We've got to sustain uh, a market structure so that people can grow their crops and buy and sell them. We have to exchange with the world because we want money because we want to buy weapons. <laughs> when the weapons that the Americans left behind all run out. We... We want to be able to exchange with other nations. We want to be able to, uh, you know, establish ourselves as an identity. So we need to govern. These people are not really used to governing because they've always been bandits running around in the mountains and in the hills. I saw these guys when I was there. And, you know, they are just like you see. They are the guys who, in your image of uh, Lawrence of Arabia with the curved swords and the baggy pants and the turbans, I saw them. <laughs> they're still there. And here they are, popping up on the daily news. Now they're in control there. But if you want one graphic that kind of portrays the importance of this because we're talking about a country that is before last week was incredibly unstable and dangerous it has now simply become more unstable and more dangerous china has an involvement because china has an involvement in every country but two weeks ago there was a bunch of chinese professionals who were killed in pakistan by the taliban and the taliban and china have a little bit of a strained relationship and so China, with its Belt and Road Initiative, where they're moving goods and services from China to Pakistan and so forth and out into the Middle East, one of their routes that they go through is either through Pakistan. This is China up here. One of their routes is either to go this way to southern ports or to go through Afghanistan, which is right here. These conditions are very rough. They're very hilly and mountainous and rugged. I drove over them, I know. So when you look at Afghanistan and you look at the neighbors around it, 
You talk about a hotbed, Saudi Arabia and the Iran and Iraq up here. And then you talk about Pakistan, who has nuclear weapons, and India, who's watching this very, very closely because they have nuclear weapons as well. If, if the TPP, which is the Pakistan version of the Taliban, and the Afghanistan Taliban merge together, you know what? We've got a bunch of hoodlums who now have access to atomic warfare. And that makes a huge difference to countries like India. Russia, uh, up here, Russia's quite happy that America fell on its face. And when you, when you start to think about how this, how this is all going now, from Africa, uh, you know, the Boko Raton and all those other uh, terrorist organizations there, uh, starting Wednesday, they were, they were having a field day. They were sending their representatives on planes into, into Afghanistan because now we have a capital city. The other terrorist organizations of the world are now delighted that the Taliban own a country because now they have, in a sense, a focal point. It's really an interesting situation. And I will tell you that from there, from Afghanistan, when you look at the region, you look at the American allies, and you look at Israel, and you look at what the Taliban did. And if you know about your history of bin Laden, for instance, the last video statement that he made before 9-11 was the threat that he made to America. And he says, we will live on uh, beyond this next excursion. He said, we will live on through history because the Taliban really went nowhere. They went into hiding, and now they've resurfaced again. And these are religious wars. And your brother Ram said, you watch where these wars come out of. And he said, you know, when you look in the Middle East here, uh, you, you have, um, you know, you have a, a, a scenario that's, uh, that's set up for conflict here, probably on a scale that we haven't seen. Now, some of the experts are weighing in. This is 1980 when I was there, and uh, or, uh, this is the year after I was there, actually, and this is what it looked like. And these are guys who are uh, positioned behind rocks looking for Russians because when I was there, the Russians actually came over the border. I was there the day they came. And uh, you talk about a... Uh, you know, confusion in the country and all the, all the reactions to that. And the Russians didn't last. They were gone after a while because they're only occupiers, just like the Americans were only occupiers. And so they're gone. And so this will, all I'm saying to you is that this will happen over time. And nations are not interested in uh, protecting religious rights, obviously. They're not interested in protecting human rights. They're interested only in power and in money and in putting forth their agenda. And they feel like Taliban exists to defend themselves against anyone who's against Islam. So if you're against Islam, you are our enemy. doesn't matter what color your skin, doesn't matter. And that's their national identity. That's their ideology. And if you're against Islam, uh, we have a right to kill you because that's what the Koran teaches. And so, therefore, uh, you know, that's the end of the conversation. So in these, in these struggles, and, you know, you look at these nations here, there's really nothing for God to do but to destroy nations like this. Now, let me give you a scripture here, because this is, this is where this becomes important. Zechariah chapter 12 is a prophecy about nations in the last day. And what, um, Just give me another minute or two. In that day, which is this day, the Lord shall defend the inhabitants of, now Kabul, 
right? He's, he's washed his hands of a lot of these nations because they have rejected Christ. They have rejected the prophets and the commandments. So there's nothing left for these nations except destruction. But God will stand and defend one nation, and it's not America. Sad to say it's not America. It's certainly not Canada or Mexico. But it is he will stand and defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he that is feeble among them in that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day, I will seek to destroy all nations that come against, say it, Jerusalem. And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look to me whom they have pierced, and so forth, and and Jesus Christ will be revealed to them in one day, right? It's all going to happen in one day. And it's because God uh, has always favored Israel as a nation of the earth. And so in the end of the day, God's going to stand for Israel. And if God stands for Israel and you happen to be in a position where you're against Israel, let me tell you, let me assure you, you're in a heap of trouble. Because you're not going to win over God standing with a nation. How many would agree? Now, it's easy to kind of do this, but I want you to do it anyway. Just take this and make it a spiritual thing and say that in the end of it, God is going to stand with a people, not a particular Gentile nation, but with a Gentile bride. God's going to stand with them and he's going to pour out his grace upon them, which is exactly what we have going for us in this hour. Isn't that right? Hey, our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. And God does not hold anything against us. We stand justified as though we never sinned in the first place. We are a people of grace. We are a people who are blessed. We are people who are honored by the presence of God. Can you say amen? We are people that God sent a prophet to and sent a message to and said, everything you have need of is in the package. Rapturing faith is there. Grace is there. Overcoming power is there for the last days that you're living in. When all the world goes crazy, there will be a people in their sane mind, their right mind. And if you're sitting there in your right mind and understanding what I'm saying, it's not because you're smarter than your neighbor. It's because God has poured out upon you, the bride of Christ, a spirit of rational understanding and revelation of the word of God that you you can stand there and say, I believe it. God said it. I have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to worry about going forward. I believe that God's going to watch over his bride and he promised us a wedding supper and I believe we're going to be there. Glory to God. And there's no power, national power. There's no spiritual power that's able to hold the people of God back. I believe that they will be there because God has promised it in the exact same way that Israel can turn to Zechariah and stand there and believe that all the nations may be against us and all the governments may turn against us and America who stood for us may lose its power. But nonetheless, God will destroy the nations that attempt to destroy us and have confidence in going to the bank and believing that, you know what, God loves us and he sees us and he sees our struggle In the same way that they can read Zechariah and say amen to it, you and I can read the same promises about the Gentile bride and believe that God's going to stand for you and God's going to see you through and not one of us will be lost. I said not one of us will be lost. And it's all through His grace and God dealing with us and God bringing us to where we are. You're not where you are because of your strength. You're not where you are because of your keen insight. You're not where you are because, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're stronger or brighter or more intellectual or you got better podcasts than somebody else. That's not why you're here. You're here because God elected you to be here. You're here because God placed you in the light. 
And your eyes came open and you saw the light from darkness and you recognize what God is doing in your time and exactly who and what your identity is. That's exactly why we're here. This is not just something Brother Branham said that we stumbled into. It's not just something that we, uh, you know, all of a sudden came to the right conclusion and said, well, of all the churches, you know what? Uh, we don't need to worry about, uh, you know, uh, this one or that one. You know, this one sounds like it's better. But the purpose of this, seeing your position in Christ, it's not just something you stumble into or something you merited somewhere, God forbid, but it's what God did for you himself. How many of you can say amen? It's what God did for you himself. It's God before the foundation of the world predestinated you to eternal life and I will tell you what if that's true if that's true there's not a thing in the world that you and I need to worry about there's not a thing I said there's not a thing in the world that you and I need to worry about and I believe that because we live in the last day the other nations have been rejected because they've rejected God they're rejected because uh, they they turned away from God and so forth and they walked in disobedience uh, to the to the word of God as it was declared in our time. I'm looking for a particular statement here. And I will tell you something that, as Brother Branham says, and now we see that he says the nature and the very sign that the star led, led the wise men to Bethlehem. He said it's on the move again. God's on the move again, leading his people. There are certain things that are happening on the earth, and there are certain things that are reflected in the heavens. And he said it's a perplexity of time. And these things that are, he said they should be buzzers in our, in our hearts. He said to let us know that we should be not wealthy, but that we should be ready. So here's the admonition that we find in 1 Thessalonians 5. And remember this, this follows 4. And 4 is when God says, I will descend and bring a, mess, a shout and a voice in the trump of God, right? In the end time. And Paul says, oh, he says, therefore you should not sleep as others do. But he says, you need to watch and be sober and be ready. All I'm saying to you today is that when you look at the nations and where they are and how God, uh, how God referred to them through Scripture, the, the key thing is that not that you're an American. And I will assure you that you really don't need to worry about China in a, in a long-term sense. If you need stuff at Walmart, you need to be concerned, like I said. But if you, in a long-term biblical sense, they're not a key player. They're a key player in the economy. They're a key player in the, in the supply chain. They're a key player in international diplomacy and all of that. They're a key player. But in terms of an eternal issue, they're not, they're not a key player. So they're not something really that you need to be worried about. To me, you need to be either a Jew in Israel... That's the, that's the border you need to be within. Or you need to be a member of the bride and within that border. And to me, we're coming down to the only two safe places on the planet. The rest of the nations are fit to burn. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come. Brother Branham assures us. He said that we don't have a thing to fear. He said, rather, he said, really, it's a time of dedication. And he said, we should lift up our heads. Wherein the nations don't have a clue what to do. And the nations don't have an answer. He said, there is literally, excuse me, there is nothing to worry about. Look at the screen. There's nothing to worry about. 
nothing to be scared about. This is 1954. You say, well, who's going to be the president? We'll have a depression. He said, that doesn't matter to me. The only thing I know, God has spoke and said, he's going to take me through. Every one of you should be able to leave here today and have that confirmation in your heart that God has spoken to me. It's not just because Brother Barry said it or Brother Barry repeated it. Brother Brandon made the statement. That's all good, but it's got to be anchored in your heart. It's got to be something that you understand and know yourself. It's got to be something that's a reality to you. And listen, I'll stop. One of these days, I'll stop. I, you know, we won't be allowed to do this, and we'll have church in a different form or whatever else. But I will tell you something. Uh, in that day, it, it's, it's going to be... Uh, much more about what you've got rather than what I say. It's going to be a whole lot more about what, what's going on in your heart than it is about what I say. You can sit here and say, you can be a rank unbeliever and sit here and listen to what I have to say. Put your hand up and say amen and sing, I'm one of them. You can do all of that. But when it comes down to that hour, when it all winds up and the nations are breaking and you know all the other things that are taking place, and I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying that's the reality. And I'm, I'm trying to apologize for talking so long and so fast, but uh, I'll stop. One of these days I'll stop and you won't have to hear me anymore. But then it'll be a matter of what's going on in your heart. And today is the day of preparation. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of conversion. Today is the day of salvation. How many of you are glad for that? I believe there's still grace on the throne. I believe there's still mercy available for the people of God. Things are happening in the world. Everybody's got an opinion about it. Facebook has all kinds of information that's on there about it. You know what? To me, my focus, my priority is on the things that God said about the bride in the last day because that's the nation that I'm a part of. That's the nation I'm a part of. Peace of God, cover me. Cover me. Yes, cover me. Oh, peace of God, cover me.
amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my I do not know just why he came to love me so. Really looked beyond my fault and saw. I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died Oh, 
we bow our heads this morning. I want you just to think about this now. Just based on what's being said, or at least what's being said about things that are unfolding in our world, this is a wonderful time to rededicate yourself to God. And just say, Lord, no one else needs to know, but I just want to re-surrender. I want to re-consecrate myself. I want to just lay myself before you, you one more time. Lord, in a time of war, give me peace. In a time of unrest, give me rest that only comes from you. Just make this your prayer and say, Lord, in a time of so much uncertainty and darkness, give me the light each new day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we just humbly bow in your presence, Lord, we just sense your presence here in a real way. I pray that you would deal with every heart in your own way. We are a people who should not be making decisions in fear. We should not be making choices based on stress. But Lord, we want to be led. Sons and and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. And you're conditioning us for the times we're moving into. We live in a world, Lord, that's falling apart, and we know that. Nations are breaking. Powers that are moving into place. I believe it, Lord, it... In your grand design, I believe it's all moving to fulfill the prophecies about our time. But Lord, that still creates a bit of uncertainty in our hearts. And so we're asking you to move in. We're asking you to come on the scene. We're asking you to hold our hand. Because Lord, we are but human. And we do not know what tomorrow holds. We just have this great swelling confidence in our heart that you hold tomorrow. Just like you hold today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord, you would just touch this people, Lord. Teach us. Pray that you would use us to bring light to this dark world. Pray that you would put words in our mouth where they're needed, Lord. Father, you'd bring healing to all those who need it and encouragement to the discouraged. You said you'd be a comforter to them that mourn. Lord, we're depending on that today. Have your way, Lord, we pray. Let us watch and be sober. We'll give you thanks, Lord, for how you have prepared us. We'll give you thanks, Lord, for a message and a messenger that came that taught us well. We'll give you thanks for all of that in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I give myself away.
Lord, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I stand, here I stand, Lord, my life is in your hand, Lord, I'm longing, will to see your desires. myself away, oh, I give myself away, so you can use me, I give myself away. That he's 
you're in, uh, you, you always had to remember that, you know, we, we learn stuff. We learn facts, figures, and history, and all the rest of it, and that's good. But we also learn other things, too, and, and we learn how to be a witness to other people. If you're in a public setting or in a classroom, you know, we learn to be witnesses to other people. And you homeschoolers, you learn to, uh, you know, good Christian principles that you can apply when you interact with other people. All of that is important. So you've been trained for more than just success in exams. You've been trained for life, and that's what's important. But we also want to pray that God will protect you. We may not always have the, uh, you know, the, the, um, you know, the ability to educate like we do. But for now, we're thankful for that, and we want to give thanks for that. And then uh, just trust that uh, in your learning that God will also give you guidance for those of you that are making decisions about college and about careers and that kind of thing. All of that's important. That matters to God. And we just want to say this this morning, that uh, the best thing we can do is just give it to God at the beginning of the year, that not only would he help you, but that he would protect you and that he would guide you as well. Okay? All of that matters to God. And it matters to your parents. So if your parents want to press up a little bit, you're welcome to do that too. Let's bow our heads together. And as our musicians play, let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence this morning, Lord, we thank you for this young generation that's here. The generation, Lord, that will stand in the face of all of these things that are changing in the earth. And Lord, for them to be able to stand in the future world, no matter how long that is, we want them to stand with good Christian principles in their life. We want them to be able to stand ready to face a world that's filled with opposition to the Bible. We want them, Lord, to be able to stand strong, to be a witness, to spread light, to tell the truth and not be ashamed of the standards that you've given to us in this last day. May, Lord Jesus, you protect these young people. May you have your hand upon them, Lord, that no danger would befall them, no temptation, Lord, in in godly, ungodly environments, that, Lord, you would give them just that hedge around about them, that they would not be affected by those things, Lord. Because in any way, in every way, Satan would love to sift them like wheat. He would like to destroy their peace they have with God. But Lord, I pray a prayer of protection. They would have a hedge around about them, Lord, that they would be blessed in their goings forth. The very best thing we can do, Lord, is give these young people back into your hands, Lord. Many of them, Lord, who are studying and working, and I just ask your special blessing upon them. And Lord, I pray also for their families that... God, you may bless them as well. Give moms and dads and grandparents guidance and wisdom and knowing not only how to deal with their kids and answer questions and create an atmosphere in their home where the Holy Spirit's always welcome, but, Lord, you would give them the resources they need to be able to 
raise their family in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Bless them, Lord, abundantly, we pray. Lord, we join our hearts together today as an assembly and ask your special blessing upon each one from the youngest right to the very oldest here. And we'll give you thanks in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And all the young people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming up. Sing as you go back now. Ever, ever done. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with my Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I had ever arms in his arms I feel protected real in his arms never disconnected in his arms I feel protected there's no place I'd rather be one more time in his arms in his arms I feel protected in his arms never disconnected in his arms I feel protected there's no place I'd rather be. Thank you for this opportunity to be together today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for a message that cuts through all the conflicting opinions and confusion of our time and sets us on a right path. We thank you for truth. We thank you for the hearts to receive it. Bless this assembly, Lord, I pray. And with each new day, Lord, may we draw closer to you. We love you. We thank you. Pray your choice blessings upon the bride of Christ all over this earth. Bring healing to those who need it, especially Brother Soriano. Lord, be the comforter for those that have suffered loss. We ask, oh God, your peace and your presence to go with us today. Be in our conversation. Be in our fellowship with the young people this afternoon. Lord, have your way among us, we pray. In Jesus' name and for your glory, we ask these things. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Sing it as you go this morning. In his arms I feel protected. Oh, in his arms never did.
There's no place I'd rather be. So falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I ever done. Falling in love. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I ever done.